7.33. The world can't make its mind up. You go back to the last century and there was all sorts of concern that continued for many years over overpopulation in the world. And, and people are still worried about that, especially in connection to uh, overuse of the world's resources uh, and driving us towards climate change. But We've got a problem at the other end of the spectrum. Uh, South Korea is at the extreme end with less than a baby per fertile woman that I mentioned before. But Thailand, that's an example of a developing nation in decline. It's gone from 6.6 babies per woman of childbearing age to 2.2 and now 1.5 over just a couple of decades. So is now among the world's lowest. Studies show Thailand's baby bust will cause the country of around 70 million to lose more than a third of its people by the century's end. Let's bring in Professor Shiripad Tulja Pakar, the Dean and Virginia Morrison Professor of Population Studies at Stanford University. Thank you for taking the time. Hi. No problem. Is this something that we see in other Southeast Asian nations or is Thailand a, a lone example in this respect? I think uh, you see it um, only in Singapore and maybe Brunei. Um, but uh, Thailand is really unusual in being much poorer than uh, Singapore, for example, but still having a dramatically low fertility. Um, most of the other Asian nations, uh, ASEAN nations, like Malaysia, Myanmar, Vietnam, Cambodia, are either at or above uh, replacement fertility, so they're still growing. Right, so you would think, if you were to look at this for, without taking many social and economic factors into consideration, that the wealthier people are, the more children they feel they were able to have, and uh, it would be the opposite if you didn't have much money. Why does the trend generally show the opposite? Well, it's... Um most likely simply that we have higher human capital um, generally, so there's more education. Um, women can get into the labor force more easily. Um, women's status generally has improved. Their employment prospects have improved. And contraception is much more easily available as something that they can choose to do. So... Um, you put that together with uh, the fact that if you have a kid um, these days, certainly in Thailand, for example, um, the child is likely to live a fairly long and fruitful life, and you want to prepare him for that. Let's look a little closer at the Thailand example, though, how it can still be considered a developing country and stand out from the other ASEAN nations, or, uh, except for the rarer and slightly wealthier cases that you mentioned of, for example, mm. Singapore. W what's going on in Thailand? Well, Thailand is unusual in maybe three respects. The first is they've done a really good job on um, uh, the mortality of kids under five. So uh, Thailand's uh, mortality rate per thousand kids born, uh, um, the number who die uh, before they hit five, is about eight, which is actually not much higher than um, the United States. And um, it is higher than Sweden or Finland, but it's really quite low. So that's very impressive. And the second 
in part because of that success, um, they've done a good job on health. So you have a lifespan of about, at birth, on average, of about 77 years in Thailand. Um, that also is quite impressive, and it matches with much richer countries around the world. It's higher than India's, for example, by a good bit. So even though economically it's still considered a developing country, its demographic indicators are, are off the charts, as it were. So the measure of it being a developing country, is that primarily GDP? Or let's just clarify what makes uh, Thailand a, a developing nation, uh, despite this education and this uh, favourable health care, uh, favourable other factors such as child mortality that you mentioned? It's mainly GDP, uh, GDP and and the sources of GDP. Uh, even if you correct for purchasing power parity, which is, you know, you things cost uh, different amounts in different countries, but you look at the same bundle of, of goods, essentially, and uh, Thailand is somewhere around uh, maybe 20,000, and... Um, um, Brunei is, or Singapore, or something like that, which is, Singapore is over 100,000. The United States is um, around 76,000, and so on. So it's mainly economic. Right. So, in a way, it kind of reveals the weakness of of that indicator. It, it generally d- tells us a global trend, but perhaps there are cases where GDP just is far too limited in, in telling us the whole picture. Absolutely. I think that's certainly true, and Thailand is a good example. Um, But still, of course, uh, this is a problem for Thailand, at least based on some of the reporting. Bloomberg's headline, Thailand as a developing economy and a big first world problem. What what are some of the challenges that lie ahead for for Thailand, do you think? Well, there are are two. Uh, At one end, you've got fewer kids. As you pointed out, the population... Uh, may decline, and you have fewer people coming into it because of natural birth. At the other end, people are living longer. Um, so what happens is that the labor force growth rate will decline because you have fewer people entering the labor force. The size of the labor force will eventually decline, and then that labor force also has to pay for people who are living longer. So the, the uh, cost of of elderly care, both personal and social, uh, will go up. And that's really, in the long run, that's what does it um, in terms of increasing the um, the costs to individuals and society. Right. You were actually quoted by Bloomberg as saying Thailand doesn't have much time to fix its problems. There's... Well, there are at least two interesting things about that comment, if I may say, uh, and draw further from you. Firstly, it's this idea that there's not enough time, but there's also this idea that Thailand, as a government, for example, has to fix its problems. But we've seen repeatedly here in Korea how challenging it is for a government to solve the birth rate issue. Yes, it is um, uh, an interesting challenge, but I think... The challenge is really not about fixing the birth rate issue. It's about fixing the consequences, as it were. Um, and Thailand, for example, has um, something that um, uh, you know many countries actually do, which is in the short run, say the next 20 years or a generation approximately, 
um, you're going to have fewer kids, so it's going to cost you a lot less to to take care of those kids in terms of education, health care, and so forth. And the, um, the population is aging, but it hasn't got there yet. I mean, you've got a lot of people who will live longer lives, but, um, you know, they're still in the pipeline, so to speak. They're still working. And so what happens is you get a sort of a, a temporal window, if you will, when it's um, going to be a lot cheaper in terms of costs for young people and you still haven't yet reached uh, high costs for an aging population. And I think that's kind of a window that governments um, can actually do something with um, and uh, they can they can make use of that time to increase productivity, to make social changes in terms of how long people work, um, adjust retirement ages, all that sort of thing. I'm so there cu- are a lot of tools. I, I'm, I'm curious, though, specifically on the birth rate issue, because it's a problem we have here in Korea as well, and, and many countries have, whether population studies show you that over history, is there a, a natural backlash or a natural bounce back when when populations become too small or, or when they reduce, um, do human beings mm. just move towards correcting that because there are more opportunities for them or, or some other factors at play? Well, actually, historical studies don't usually give you a good answer to that uh, because of the instabilities that we've seen in historical processes. Um, in the last century or so, people have certainly believed that there's going to be a turnaround, but I don't see any any evidence of that whatsoever. And, you know, countries like Japan, for example, have gone through this for decades, um, and essentially all they do is sort of wring their hands about it. And the, the economy in Japan is shrinking, um, the population is also shrinking. The economy is not shrinking quite as fast, and so people don't actually feel the pain at the moment. Um, but I think all governments and people in general need to start thinking about what you're going to do in the long run, uh, because there might be an equilibrium, but it's still a long way off, in my opinion. We're also at an interesting stage of technology with um the rise of AI still really to um, show anything like its full potential. And that, and that could support countries uh, potentially um, that uh, that it could take on tasks that otherwise human beings would have to do in the workplace uh, if there weren't enough workers, for example, in the future. We also have, though, um, the, the potential for migration. And, and a country like Thailand seems to be far more open to that than a country like South Korea or Japan. Is that a big factor in its favor? It certainly could be. Um, the history of migration into Thailand is actually very encouraging because you've got a lot of immigrants uh, coming in. There's been an increase in the amount of immigration into the country, which is quite dramatic over the last um, you know, 15 years or so. Um, and there are a lot of potential sending countries uh, close by that have high or higher uh, birth rates and and worse economies. So I think Thailand could certainly capitalize on this um, and uh, 
make be- make make good use of its migrant workers. Yeah. Well, Professor Shepard Tuljapoko, thank you very much for joining us. You're quite welcome. Thank you.